Hello. Hi. What's up, Jeremy? What's up, Brandy Joe? Hello. Welcome to Scaring is Sharing. Where we share our, our scares. scares. That's right. And this is the happiest time of year for people like you and me. Weirdos. Weirdos <laughs> who love horror movies. It is our Christmas. It really is. And it's just the best thing. And I know you've been watching a lot more horror than me. I've been a little busy, but you try to watch like a movie a day. Yeah, I try, I try to fit it in. If I don't, uh, I wait until I'm able to double up, sometimes even triple up. Like, yeah. you know, a nice Saturday afternoon where I have a, a couple hours. It's, you know, how many movies can I fit in right now? Let's do it. See, for me, it's weird. I don't like to watch horror in the daytime. And if I do, like, I watch it in, like, our bedroom and I'll cover up all the windows with, like, black oh. garbage bags <laughs> so I can give the illusion <laughs> that it's nighttime. I suppose there are probably certain movies that I would be fine watching during the daytime, like a really old, like, like the Dracula or... Uh, Frank and like something that's not scary anymore at any mm -hmm. rate you know I feel like I could get away with those but still I like the feeling that it's dark you know there is something to that I do feel though I, I grew up on the uh, uh that whole Saturday matinee thing where you know uh channel four uh creature double feature on Saturday afternoon so that gives me like a little special jolt on a afternoon it's just weekend afternoon it's great to watch a godzilla movie or uh some sort of cheesy old slasher movie do you like miss like do you just get those pangs for like wandering through the video store 100 <laughs> percent that it was just the coolest thing to look at the box art and make yeah. your decision based on what's got the most gratuitous Often the most gratuitous cover was the worst possible movie for sure when you, when you watched it. But you know, it was like I've never seen it, but there's that movie called Demon Wind, and it had like yeah, you would like it had I don't remember it was like a hologram or it like moved like it, there were certain video covers that had like a thing you'd press and like the eyes would blink. Like there were some really creative video covers. I yeah, I've actually seen Demon Wind. Uh, <laughs> Is it it's, horrible? It's not a very good movie. Uh, Watching it too, it uh, tastes have changed, and what you're able to say. It was one of those movies where, like, right in the beginning, there was some hard, uh, uh, I'll just say, homophobic language, mm. like right off the bat, where I'm like, all right, this is not. It, it hits. It's uncomfortable now, you know, to uh, hear. See, and I'm, I think about how, like, yeah, in the '80s, they were just like cool throwing that around. We didn't even pay attention to such a thing but i'd like to think we've all evolved and uh you know improved as people i i mean, I mean you know uh god willing i, god, I sure hope that's the case <laughs> god willing yes um now at the video stores you would go to i remember a few different ways and it probably evolved but sometimes there were little cards that were in slots on front of the video box that you would take up to the counter and they would give you the vhs from behind the counter but then more often than not, I remember the VHS just being like behind the video box and you would take the VHS up to the cover. I'm sure that saved a lot of time for them yeah, back that's, behind the counter. That's what I remember was uh, you'd have the uh, 
the display that had the original box art and then behind it were several like just uh, blank clear plastic clamshells that with however many copies of the movie they had. Yeah, like Blockbuster. I like just Blockbuster remember like 50 of them. Like, yes. Depending yep. on the movie. Depending on the movie, some were like, oh, there's a single one. You know, this is not a very high demand movie here. And you know, there's still one Blockbuster left, right? Yeah. Uh, in uh, Oregon? S- Oregon. Somewhere like that. Not that long ago, I actually watched a video of somebody. Uh, I don't remember who, some video, you know, blogger uh, had a, uh, like a pilgrimage out there and they recorded their little side trip out to the Blockbuster. And I'm like, I really want to do that now. That I looks know. like fun. And I mean, I didn't grow up with Blockbuster. It was definitely more of a big city thing. So I didn't get to that until much later in my life. But when I kept seeing those funny Twitter posts tweets, if you will, from the last Blockbuster. I just thought it was like a joke, like someone, like a funny Twitter mm-hmm. account. I didn't realize it actually was f- for real. So I think that's very impressive. Yeah, it's still around. You see, I did grow up with Blockbuster, but Blockbuster was like our alternate movie store. Like if, because our main video rental place was Video Jack, which was a <laughs> little local place, uh, in my neighborhood and they were cheaper and they usually had uh some uh weirder uh less mainstream titles in there for rent so we would go there first blockbuster was the last uh resort if we couldn't find anything at video jack yeah growing up in cody wyoming my two favorite video stores there was actually three action video which went out of business unfortunately all too soon then video experience which was Mm -hmm. really big and then discount video which was like half video store half vacuum cleaner repair (laughs) (laughs) but the cool thing about discount video was that they would sometimes have little like someone typed out facts about particular movies and like taped it to the front of the video box. So I always remember the Poltergeist video had a little like, you know, did you know taped to the front of it that said, did you know that this movie's actually rated PG because PG 13 didn't exist at the time that it came out. Mm. And so like that has always stuck in my head. Yeah. I, I remember video Jack, what makes them stick out in my mind is, um, well, you know, often at a blockbuster, if you went in, they had TV screens everywhere and they would have some of the movies like playing uh, mm-hmm. that, you know, are available to rent. But usually it would be like whatever new Disney movie was out, you know, or totally. something like that. Video Jack would do the same thing. Like when you first walked in, it was like a little store. Uh, if I remember, it used to be a doctor's office and then it became a Video Jack. And now it's actually a dentist office wow. uh, that same building but it in between there it was a video store for a long time so it still had kind of the weird setup where you're like oh that room back there is supposed to be an exam room or something <laughs> where they, they have the adults only stuff but oh yeah uh but when you walked in like they had a couple tvs set up in the ceiling when you first walked in uh and they would play movies but they would play stuff like gladiator or like <laughs> you know uh sometimes like uh, like a Friday the 13th movie, like things that I'm like, that's a hard R and that's kind of weird to be <laughs> playing that for whoever walks in here. But yeah, I don't know how they got away with that, but that's what they did. It would be whatever movie they picked, regardless of taste or who might see it, they would have it playing. On a similar level, I know we talked about Hereditary last week um, and looking up some of my facts and figures about it. 
they played the trailer for Hereditary before like Peter Rabbit at a mo- some movie theater. Uh-oh. It got like the trailers got mixed up. And the, the kids were traumatized. I I can imagine. <laughs> That's hilarious. I remember too. Uh, family video was a big mm. deal. They're still for, around, and they still exist. They started selling CBD or something like that. I saw that's how they saved their. Uh, <laughs> that's hilarious. That, that's how they saved their business for a minute. Is they started selling uh, CBD and some other like rando uh, popular items at the moment. Weird. So it's like yeah, yeah. But we used to go there uh, in college. Family video is really like a college thing because it was one of the only like video rental places left that I remember at that point uh, when you couldn't get it off of uh, uh, Netflix uh, DVD by mail. For anyone that remembers that, because now I guess DVD by mail still happens, but it's becoming a relic of the past for Netflix. My friend Tess, who I believe is a friend of this podcast, still gets her Netflix through the mail. Wow. I know. Talk about like the last blockbuster. I know. It's unbelievable. Um, The videos, there was a really awesome video store in Clawson called Thomas Video that people still talk about. I see posts about it on Facebook periodically. Hmm. It was really cool. They had really bizarre things. And sometimes they would get movies like a week before they came out. Like they probably got them and weren't supposed to put them out. But I just, that's what I remember about it. Um, but it was like really hip and they had really cool like stuff you could not find in a blockbuster. Very cool. Yeah, it was awesome. Well, enough about video stores, although it is a great topic and I, yeah. I miss them. I can like the smells of them, like just I, I it's a fond memory. Yeah. Before we move on, Suncoast video. Oh, like in the malls? In the malls. I remember there was a Suncoast everywhere and... Uh, and as a little horror nerd, too, because Suncoast was heavy on having horror movies, horror collectibles. Yes. Uh, I remember their stores always having really dingy lighting. And like it was just perfect, sure. perfect to go in there and be like, let's see what Nightmare on Elm Street uh, merch they have. And like, ooh, look at this cool uh, Hellraiser tape. Uh, awesome. And Spencer's, uh, too, would have some horror stuff. Yeah. So what I'm saying is Suncoast, I miss you. so let's shift gears and talk a little bit about halloween because depending on when you listen to this halloween may be tomorrow or it may be today it could be ideally you will be listening to this Uh, hopefully it's not yesterday because that's a hallows eve yeah that's well november 1st is like it's it's okay uh you're just gearing up for next year's halloween yeah you're just gearing up for next year as a come down i always like to watch on november 1st halloween 2 the original halloween 2 because Mm. it is set on november 1st Mm -hmm. so that's my weird little uh ocd tradition i love it so i have a little quiz for you yes um which halloween film of all of them we're talking rob zombie halloween Mm -hmm. 3 all of and the Halloween, the whole thing, the whole hollow verse, the whole enchilada. <laughs> Which one has the least kills? The least kills. Whoa, holy crap! How do you how do you measure that? This is going to take a minute. Sorry, everyone <laughs> listening. This could be painfully long. I want us to not edit this, and I'll just sit here in silence. <laughs> They'll love it as I think for minutes. Uh, ooh. Well, if you're going to sit there and think about it, also think about which one has the most. Has the most kills? Yeah. 
So this is where my brain is going. The most kills, uh, like Halloween 3, do you include like potentially all the children of America whose heads explode when the masks, you know? Uh, well, I'm just going to go off your gut instinct. And actually, yes, it is Halloween 3, but it doesn't include all the kids whose heads explode at the end. Oh. Okay. But it is Halloween 3 with 22 kills. Really? It is a lot of henchmen, and a lot of them are like... Oh, they're androids. They're androids, but I think so. Okay. (laughs) Because in this list, dogs also count. Okay. So, all right. So the least amount of kills, uh, I'll say Halloween H2O, because I feel like there weren't that many in it. Nope. It is actually the original, the OG. Oh. It's six, and one of them is a dog. So it's really five people and uh, a poor pup. That poor puppy, you know, and that also, I always think about that as I rewatch them there where I'm like, they really loved having Michael Myers kill dogs. I guess that's just to be like, he is so evil. (laughs) And it's true. Anyone who kills a dog is the worst. Absolutely. And they always throw that in there at some point, uh, just about all of them. Now, the number two amount of kills, there's actually kind of, there's a tie, but the number two is Halloween Rob Zombies with 20 kills. Yeah, that one had a... And Halloween, Halloween 5, Revenge of Michael Myers with 20 kills. Wow, okay. I just rewatched that one not that long ago, and it didn't seem that kill-heavy to me. I think it's because a lot of, a lot of cops die. Okay, yeah. Right, at makes... the end, it doesn't like a police... Oh, place yeah. Like shot yes, yeah, because he's in the police station, uh, and then the man in black comes and blows away all the cops. Yeah. Yep, that's... So that's, that's, a, a, that's a large part of it. Okay, yep. But yeah, I was curious if... if but H2O is number... 10 of the 11 with seven kills. Yeah, I remember that one being very light on the slasher mayhem and more about the psychological, you know, the tension. Yep, and Lori was an alcoholic and all of that. Yeah. That, that's not a bad movie. Every time I rewatch it, it's, uh, I think it's up there as one of the better ones in the series. It's really fun to watch back to back with part one. I remember the first time I did that, I thought it was so fun because there's just cool parallels between them that you, I mean, you'll probably catch if you've watched part one a million times, but if you just like, if it's not that familiar to you and you watch them back to back, there's just all these little things. And then there's like um, the, the cameo with her mom getting into the psycho car. Like it's so cool. Yes. It's a really great movie. Plus, Jamie Lee Curtis is one of my all-time favorite actors, performers, period. She yes. is she is so phenomenal. Uh, can't say enough. One of my favorites. Her, her and Sigourney Fast. Weaver are, uh, mm-hmm. in my mind, like the queens of horror. So what are some of your favorite deaths in the Halloween franchise? Glad you mentioned this, because I just rewatched... Halloween 6, Curse of Michael Myers, which is one of the worst movies in the series. As we've discussed. Uh, It does have Paul Rudd, but Paul Rudd's performance in that movie is so flat and terrible. You can tell it's his first movie. I'm sure he was being directed to be less Paul Rudd uh, the entire time. Uh, But that scene where the dick dad in the basement, Michael Myers throws him against the breaker box and his head explodes mm-hmm. as he's being electrocuted, I think is one of the most amazing. It's hilarious and over the top. Um, I think whoever wrote the movie had some dad issues that this guy, <laughs> that not only does he get electrocuted to death, his fucking head explodes. Uh, 
I don't know the science. I'm not sure if that can actually happen. I bet while not. you're while you're being electrocuted. <laughs> but yeah, it just blows up and suddenly, you know, it goes from a Halloween movie to a Hellraiser movie for a second. Like and it's just so over the top. I love it. It's a great kill in a slasher movie, period. It's so fun when a bad character dies in a horror movie because you really can root for it and be excited about it. Whereas yes. You know, when someone you've grown to know and love, which not all horror movies, give you the opportunity to get invested in the characters before they die. But when you when that's there, it's like, uh, it's like, you know, it's, it hurts that they're dead. Like, it, it makes you sad. But it's really fun when an asshole dies. Yeah, absolutely. He's also the, um, in the beginning of the movie, they don't even really give you any motivation. Like, why is he so terrible? He just is like notched up to 11 from the start where he's like i hate my family you guys all suck and you're like okay he's gonna bite it and it's gonna be awesome isn't he a strode was he supposed to be related like did yeah. he something with laurie there's a storyline there isn't there yeah they they are i he is the brother of uh mr strode is what i put together from the dialogue where they move into the myers house uh for whatever reasons that, because I, I was like, oh yeah, Laurie Strode's adopted father uh, in the original, uh, if you're following the uh, the plot line of she is Michael Myers' sister. Uh, but Mr. Strode in the original was a real estate agent. And I was like, oh yeah, he was. And he was trying to sell the Myers house, uh, but nobody wanted it because it's the murder house. But in part six, they're living in that house and they are Strode's, which means Michael has to kill them, of course. Would you live in a murder house? I don't know. <laughs> I guess it depends on uh, which, which murder. I mean, nowadays, uh, it's big business to buy a murder house and then flip it or turn it into some kind of attraction. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, museum attraction. I saw a thing that um, the original house was torn down from what I remember, but they built a new house on uh, the land that uh, John Wayne Gacy's house mm. stood on uh, and some flippers just sold it for like a ton of money. Wow. Yeah. I think I definitely would. People are into that. So I mean, I've all, every house I, I've ever lived in, I'm like, oh God, please let it be haunted. Please let it be haunted. And it never is because I want it to be. Yeah, you want it too bad. And I do. I got to stop you, wanting it. This is like me. I want a solid experience with like a ufo or something like that but i want it too bad so they're never gonna come they'll never show up i swear i saw a ufo once granted i was on shrooms <laughs> mm -hmm. <laughs> but everyone that i was with most of whom were on shrooms as well but they all yeah. saw it we all saw it but now when i bring it up to this day some of them are like we were on shrooms i'm like how did we all see the same thing but it probably was someone it was probably you know uh like a drone or something like that like mm. you know we were out camping but I, I, I still, like, it felt so real at the time. <laughs> well, my, my brother and I saw a UFO once. We were out oh. mowing. We were out mowing the lawn. Were you on uh, shrooms? And we were lawn. on shrooms. No. no. <laughs> but we were out doing yard work at my parents' house. This was, I think I had started college and was home for the summer or something like that. But we, uh, we, we he, he pointed it out to me. He said, what is that? And we looked, it was middle of the day. We were looking at it, and it was this weird, uh, some kind of aircraft. I don't know what it was. Balloon? Who knows? Uh, we say it's a UFO because literally we could not identify it. So, and it was sure. flying, yeah. just hovering in place, like way off in the distance, some sort of metallic looking thing. Uh, and it was just there for a while. And then it was gone when we went to check for it again. So I don't 
to this day, I don't know what it was, but I want it to be a UFO. <laughs> I want to know it was a UFO. It was. I know it was. It has to be aliens. What do you think of the Rob Zombie Halloween films? I have fluctuated over time on them. Um, I am a fan of some of his movies. Some of his movies are terrible. Uh, Rob Zombie, if you ever hear this, though, I'm a big fan of your music, <laughs> so remember that. Uh, but I remember seeing the original, the original, his, his first remake, uh, when it came out. It was like a Labor Day weekend. I know somewhere, some bit of trivia, is it still the Labor Day uh, box office champion uh, over that weekend. It's made the most money any movie released on a Labor Day weekend, which was a weird release date for that. Yeah. Uh, but I remember seeing it in the theater with my buddies. Uh, it, it, I remember it being a movie that in the theaters was kind of like, it was an overwhelming experience because I think the amount of like just oppressive visuals and violence and yeah. uh, the soundtrack, because I remember the score being that one of those really heavy, like industrial sounding things where you're like, okay, with the sound system and all that, it's just like sensory overload, this whole movie. I don't think it's as bad as some of the other sequels, because I've had this fight with other Halloween people. They're like, Rob Zombie's movies are the worst, period. I'm like, but what about six? <laughs> what about Resurrection? I think those are worse movies. At least, you know, his remakes have some technical skill behind them that uh, like part six, you can tell it was just a hatchet job with the editing and it is doesn't make sense like narratively or linearly. But uh, I, I enjoyed his first one when it came out and have revisited it a number of times over the years. It's been a while though. Uh, and then I remember being thinking his Halloween 2 when it came out was pretty, I, I appreciated him doing some radically different stuff with it, where you're exploring Michael Myers's like psychosis. Ugh. Um, Gross. <laughs> not a fan. No. Uh, and I, I did, I, I do enjoy the idea of his Laurie Strode, where she's like deeply traumatized uh, by the experience where uh, I feel like that's a more realistic approach to like yeah if somebody survives through this they'd be so fucked up afterwards um but they're just so dark and nihilistic like re-watching them in recent years i'm like they're not that enjoyable but, uh, the thing with laurie is i never cared about her in, his, in the first one with him like i never got yeah, behind that's... her they didn't spend enough time with the girls to really like i love danielle harris because she's danielle harris like, yeah you know so that's why i loved annie and that's my least favorite kill in all the Halloween movies is Annie dying in part two. Oh yeah. I mean, just the, I, I feel like his, those two movies in particular, like the misogyny and just, I don't know. The, and like you said, nihilistic, like I just, they, when the first one, when he like doesn't kill Annie, but she's all naked and bloody and it just, and then just to keep her alive, just to kill her off in part two. Like it made me so mad. Like just let her die in part one. Like she yes. does in the original. Why keep her around if she's just going to die? Just get beaten to death. Like, it made me so angry. And I thought yeah. that second one just that was illogical and just frustrating and just made oh, me wait. angry. Yeah, I know. I understand where uh, they, they are very heavy into the torture porn, uh, as they called it then. I think they leaned, he leaned hard into 
like I can understand the idea of like I want to have more realistic violence and be a little more shocking than just you know a slasher movie but to do it with Halloween I don't know if that's you know the franchise to do that with um they're not great movies uh and they're definitely towards the bottom of my list if I had to rank uh the entire uh franchise I do feel like part of this too was when they came out I was younger and more like I just want to watch something violent uh, and where <laughs> bad shit happens to people and like yeah edgy cool and now I've grown up a little bit ew growing up <laughs> gross but so grody uh, yeah I've grown up a bit and now it's a little more like yeah I want a little more story a little more fun uh those got really heavy-handed like you just said with the violence towards the female characters mm -hmm. has a level of uh, maliciousness and shock value. But I will say that Malcolm McDowell as Dr. Loomis is uh, a fantastic casting choice there because yeah. uh, he has turned into an actor that uh, is occupying a space that Donald Pleasance did when he was alive. <laughs> like who else would replace Donald Pleasance but somebody like Malcolm McDowell, another insane uh, British character actor. I would say the only other, the only good thing to me about part two is Octavia Spencer. She's that nurse that dies in the beginning. Oh yeah. <laughs> I yep. loved the beginning of part two. I'm like, oh, awesome. Part two is going to be like a remake of the original part two. We're going to be in a hospital and everything like that. Like I was so excited for that. And then it's just like that opening. I don't know if it's a, I think it's a dream sequence. Yes. Right. I've Yeah. It's a dream sequence. And I've seen the, uh, I've watched uh, at least part of the the movie with Rob Zombie's uh, commentary Ooh. on it, and he talked. He's actually his commentaries are actually pretty good. I do find um, him really hot. I gotta say. Do you? <laughs> yeah. Ooh. Like dirty, trashy hot. Yeah, he's a he's a very. Um, this is why it's kind of shocking. Like we said, I he's a pretty. He seems like a cool dude uh, and a very intelligent guy too. So some of his movie choices, I don't know where that comes from because he seems pretty. Uh, uh, open-minded and you know not an asshole when well, you see good. him in interviews and stuff so uh but in the commentary for halloween 2 he does talk about uh uh octavia spencer uh in there and how um they got her because she hadn't blown up yet right uh, and by the time he recorded the commentary he's like yeah she's an oscar nominated uh <laughs> actress and i have no idea how he got her for this but it, like he, she was a trooper and really awesome to work with and he kind of goes on about that for a minute and it's like and here i am having her stabbed to death <laughs> <laughs> so awesome and he's like and i will never cross paths with her again probably because she will never be <laughs> at the level uh that i make films at now another fun death that we don't really get to see is um jimmy from h2o joseph gordon levitt who gets that ice skate in his face <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Like it's such a cool reveal, but I wish we saw it. That would be cool. That would be cool. He I was like that. the cam, the cool cameo, and like the opening. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and he's uh, he's watching Plan Nine from outer space. Okay. On TV, that's what I remember about that scene. <laughs> like when he slowly turns around, that's what's playing on the television behind him. Yeah, uh, I dug H two O. I thought it was a lot of fun. Uh, I didn't realize that. Uh, until recently, because I read it somewhere, that um, the screenwriter of Scream, yeah, the punch-up the punch of Kevin H2O. Williamson, because Scream had just happened, and then they're like, "We got to revitalize all the old franchises." And for Halloween, they nabbed um, 
Kevin Williamson to do the punch up. And it's like, yeah, you can tell because he really like, sure. made this made this sleek and really works. And the, the movie was directed by Steve Miner, who, who did, did Friday Thirteenth two, two and three. Yeah. Oh, then yeah, it's amazing. Which are better? Uh, some of the better Friday the Thirteenth entries. So. And Michelle Williams is in it, and I love her. And Josh Hartnett's horrible haircut. Remember that, like, bad haircut look? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and poor Josh Hartnett, uh, just, you struggled for a while. You went away from horror, and you struggled for a while in these leading man roles. Yeah. And then Penny Dreadful happened, and he came back to horror, uh, and he was good again. Huh. I watched a couple uh, episodes, and then I stopped. It, it, it's, uh, you got to get into it. Um, okay. I've actually not seen the whole series. My parents were obsessed with it, oh. weirdly enough. So often I would visit my folks and they'd be watching Penny Dreadful. How about um, that? Yeah, how about that? Uh, but yeah, he is, uh, he's essentially the wolf man. Okay. Uh, he, is, uh, he is Lon Chaney uh, for that series. And he's cool. very good in it. Uh, and that's what I say. So many of these, Jamie Lee Curtis, you did the same thing. You were a scream queen. You tried to be... Well, she was very successful, serious actress, but then she finally came around to horror again, came yeah. back to us, uh, and she's just indispensable in the horror genre. And Knives Out. Did you see Knives Out? So good. So great. Like, just, they don't make a witty, well-done whodunit like that anymore. That's why I loved it so much. It was just very good. an enjoyable ride. Like, it was so, so fun. Almost horror adjacent. I do see these mystery yeah. murder thrillers like that are very in my milieu, in my uh, wheelhouse, because give me some murder and mayhem. Uh, I'm all about it. Heck yeah. Well, all right. Well, that was a good Halloween chat. It's always fun to talk about the franchise, but around this Absolutely. time of year, even more so. Even more so. You know what? Real quickly, uh, while I'm thinking of it, what are your, barring the original, because every everybody gets all up in arms the original movie john carpenter revolution i blah 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 whatever tired of it we all know the original is fantastic uh but what are your top three other than the original your top three entries in the series um beside if i'm not going off the original i would probably say my number one well i'll go in ascending from the lowest i would probably say halloween four would be my uh -huh. number th three I loved Daniel Harris. I remember that coming out in the theaters. I didn't see it. I was too young. But I remember like seeing an ad for it in the newspaper and commercials on TV. And I was probably around her age. So that was fun to have the lead person in the movie around my age. Um, and then my number two would be H2O. And then my number one would be 2018. Ooh. Very for sure. good. What about you? This is hard. I thought I had it. And now I'm already like... <laughs> doubting my list um i'm gonna say they're in no particular order this is very nebulous uh i'm gonna have to say halloween four the return of michael myers just because i have so much it's so ingrained in me as part of the season i remember it playing on cable tv nonstop as a AMC. kid every amc they still play it it's probably on right now turn on <laughs> amc it's probably on right now uh and I love the beginning of that movie, the opening scene of just the desolate shots of a town with Halloween decorations up because it captures a Midwestern Halloween season so well. Like, that's what it looks like. Uh, I relate to this so much. But it, it's just, that, that's also the movie where, you know, they really 
we're like, we got to compete with the other slasher franchises. So the franchises is fran- <laughs> franchise. 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 <laughs> uh, so the gore, the kills are just ridiculous. They amped everything up uh, to 11. It's great. And the fact that they just blow Michael Myers away at the end when the cops all just shoot him up and somehow he survived that in five. They're just like, yep, but he lived. They even threw dynamite down that mine shaft and he got away. And it has probably one of the most shocking kills at the very end, although, again, you don't see it. But when you when Jamie comes out with those oh yeah those scissors and you're just like what the fuck that's a yes. great a great ending and donald donald pleasance is just losing his mind no no <laughs> and then it cuts to black so good uh and then i'll also have to say this might make me unpopular with people but i have to put halloween three season of the witch into it's good into contention because i don't think it's a bad movie I think for a long time, I I had friends who were fans of the Halloween series. They told me, avoid it. I never saw it until uh, like adult life. Like it took a long time. I always skipped over it because it's just like, it has nothing to do with the rest of it. So why bother? And everyone says it was bad. But I think it's just because it had no Michael Myers and people couldn't get over that for years and years. It's been reassessed in recent years. People definitely don't look at it as poorly as they used to. Yeah, and it is a good movie. I've started it's become part of my yearly i always watch it um around this time of year because it is a very good halloween themed movie Uh, i know it's a little wonky with the whole they stole parts of stonehenge and put them in halloween masks (laughs) to make kids heads turn into bugs and snakes and shit but so cool it's very cool those masks are really cool the silver shamrock uh you know, happy, happy Halloween, <laughs> Halloween, Halloween, happy, happy Halloween, song. silver shamrock. <laughs> and it gets stuck in your head every time you hear it. That is just a cool movie. It's got uh, Tom Atkins in the lead, who is just a genre veteran. Uh, every time I see Tom Atkins, you, you're in for something good. Uh, you know, he's also the lead, one of the leads of Night of the Creeps. Oh, yeah. Another, a favorite and underrated uh, genre gem of mine and uh and he was in maniac cop the first maniac cop which is Never another underrated slasher flick uh i might have to throw that one at you uh because it is it's fun it's like action horror uh it, it's good i don't want to ruin too much for you but yeah halloween 3 is good it still feels like a john carpenter movie too because he was still a producer on the series at that point so you, you still have the uh, and it had Dean Cundy uh, for my cinematography nerds. Dean Cundy is my favorite cinematographer uh, in film. He shot most of John Carpenter's classic films, uh, and he did Jurassic Park, Back to the Future. Uh, just a phenomenally influential uh, cinematographer, director of photography. Uh, and my number three. Sorry, I'm nerding out here on the technical aspects. My number three is it's a tough call i either want to say h2o or no i'm going to say the newest one 2018 halloween because i think that's the best sequel they've ever made uh in the series direct sequel to the original uh because that writing team just did a great job of creating a love letter to the original halloween i think um and they made michael myers scary again which he really hadn't been for a long time. You know, it was more just an excuse to watch these movies and be like, 
We get to see this cool looking, iconic masked character kill some folks. I'm all about that. I'm not really like scared of him. The menace isn't there anymore. And they really recaptured that with the new one. And they made Jamie Lee Curtis a badass. So. Heck yeah. And I love Judy Greer, so bring her on. Oh yeah, more Judy Greer, please. She is yeah. also she's a one of the best performer. character actresses, character actors in the last decade or two. She just, yeah. I mean, she was, she's the only one of Jawbreaker who's still relevant. And she has been, I mean, just one of those people that popped up everywhere. She was constantly working. Um, and she's just never really had that like big lead role, but that's fine. I mean, she probably has in some indie things, but I love her. So She's fantastic. I do want to give a, a, a runner up slot to the original Halloween 2. Um, I, I, I know some people trash it because it's just not, as good as the original uh but they kind of go hand in hand in my mind there's so much uh growing up i i just seeing them on tv play like back to back constantly i had like one mega halloween movie in my brain for a long time where i'm like wait what happened in one and what happened in two i can't really differentiate them anymore because i blend them together a lot but um the original halloween too is it, you know it's got some fun stuff i think it's a good continuation uh, when you watch them back to back. In fact, that is my nerdy plan for Halloween this year. It's so weird though, when you watch it on TV to see what ending you get. You either get oh, her sitting yes. in the ambulance all alone looking sad, or you get her boyfriend, nurse, whatever he is, like waking up and her freaking out and then him being like, oh, it's me, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because there was a TV, there was a TV edit, wasn't there? Yeah. yeah that, that changed it. Just like uh, in the original if so, depending on if they play it or not with the original Halloween, you can sometimes catch the television edit uh, on TV, which had some additional scenes in there uh, that they shot around the time that Halloween two came out in theaters when the first one was playing on TV. I believe that's the story. They added some additional scenes to pad out the television cut uh, and to connect it more to two. So there's some talk about, you know, Sam Hain in some extra scenes thrown in there and to really hammer home the Halloween uh, it holiday itself connection uh, and give Michael some kind of weird motivation to be like, which they, you know, they messed all up with this Druid stuff they brought in in the later sequels, but like he's, he's driven by the holiday itself to kill. So. Well, awesome. Let's uh, get into our shares. Absolutely. I give mine first this week. Is that right? Why not? Uh, sure. Let's just right. do it. Who cares? Then I would like you to watch Alice, Sweet Alice. Alice, Sweet Alice. Yep. I, I vaguely know of this. I know it's like a early or proto slasher flick. Uh, I want to say the 70s. Yeah. Uh, I know there's an image in my brain of uh, like a kid, maybe a child in a raincoat with a weird mask, like a weird... Halloween, one of those clear plastic with like a face painted on it. Yeah. Masks. Uh, and that's about it. I don't know what it's about. What do you think it's about? Um, I know there's a child that's like menaced or something. I think there is a kid that uh, people think she's just going crazy or something like that. And there's a killer out there and nobody believes her. There's a killer out there. That's what I think it's about <laughs> from what I can put together. I might be totally wrong. Who knows? Uh, Alice, sweet Alice. And I know that it 
has popped up in a lot of lists I've seen over the years of the best horror movies you've never seen. And that's <laughs> always one that's in there. Uh, and in fact, I did remember, here's a little addendum to last week's episode from beyond. Uh, I discovered it because Fangoria had published a book uh, that I, I randomly bought at like a Borders or something. Remember Borders? Oh, yeah. yeah they're the best. Yeah. Uh, it was uh, the best horror movies you've never heard of or something along those lines. And it had like a, a few dozen uh, entries in there. But From Beyond was one of them. And I remember reading about it in that book and be like, I got to see this. And I think Alice Sweet Alice was in that same book probably. Um, but I don't remember anything about it what I've read about cool. it. So that's it. That's what I think it's about. So All right. there you go. Well, what are you going to give to me? Well, for you, uh, I am going, uh, I'm going to go historic, historical, if you will. Oh, good. Uh, I, I am giving you the original 1942 cat people. Ooh, fun. Which I feel some of these you're taking a gamble here with some of these really old movies because of pacing and what modern tastes really uh uh make you expect now uh but i feel like this is a movie that's really important to the history of the horror film uh so definitely look at it as a historical artifact i i have some more info for you once you've seen it that we can discuss i hope why, so why it's important but what do you think it's about do you know anything about cat people the original in my mind what i think it's about is very similar to an american werewolf in london a woman is bit by a cat scratched by a cat gets some cat scratch fever and she therefore when the moon is not full she turns into a cat and she goes around and she eats people <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she probably doesn't eat people, but she probably follows them around and was like, hey, what's up, bitch? I'm a cat. <laughs> that sounds like an exciting movie. Um, she somehow has a curse put upon her, and I don't think she has to live life permanently as a cat, but I think she turns into a cat against her will and maybe is trying to look for a way to get herself out of this curse. And... I'm sure she'll have some love interest because it was the 40s and they always had to have a woman with a love interest. Um, I imagine it to be heterosexual. And um, I think there's probably like another person who's a cat, like a, a like a sort of um, uh, an older woman who maybe cursed her and um, she's going to have something, some piece to play in the puzzle. Okay. Okay. So You'll have those to are watch my thoughts. I think you just pitched a really good movie right there. <laughs> I, don't, I mean, should... I pitched a movie. I don't know if it was a good one. <laughs> yeah, you pitched a movie. Maybe we should write that version. Uh, it'll, it'll, in the beginning, it'll say vaguely based on. <laughs> based on the idea of what Cat People was. <laughs> might be about. We've created our own version. Um, yeah. Uh, okay. I'm excited for you to see this. Thing yeah, I'm then. excited uh, too. You know, it, Halloween time always makes me think of a lot of these, uh, not only Michael Myers in the Halloween series, but also these older uh, classics, because I can remember growing up with, you know, Turner classic movies and whoever would be playing Frankenstein and the Wolfman and uh, cat people fits, you know, into that tone and mood and time. So set the mood, you know, yeah. in the evening, throw on cat people and settle into the, the, uh, the the spookiness that's of awesome. the season as you watch it so that's my 
uh, advice to you. I'm looking forward to it. Good, good. Well, we'll be back shortly. Listen to some Nick Kostriba. Yes, his wonderful score. That's right. Music, theme music he did for us. So enjoy. And we'll be back momentarily. Don't you blame the movies. Movies don't create psychos. Movies make psychos more creative. Okay, hey everybody, we're back. We're back. You, you <laughs> little maniacs, here we come. Is that what we're calling our listeners, little maniacs? I, I don't know. I'm doing. I'm trying out a few things. I think <laughs> as, as, <laughs> as we go. I enjoy it. I enjoy it. So uh, we've watched the movies. We sure the heck have. And I guess we're going to talk about them now, right? That's right. Let's start with Cat People. Okay, Cat People. So, BJP. Yes. What did you think of Cat People? I thoroughly enjoyed it. Cool. I don't know what it's saying. I feel like there's some subtext. Maybe I'm not fully getting or understanding, or maybe I'm overthinking it. Um. I really liked it. I just, like, I'm like, I don't know what you're trying to say. So in case you've been following us all along, there's just going to, in the second half of the show, it's spoilers abound. So get over yourself. (laughs) Watch these movies when we say we're going to watch them, okay? Yeah. (laughs) Um, So I don't know what it's saying in regards to, it's Irena? Irena. 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 Um, I don't know what it's saying in regards to what's happening with her because it's made in 1942 is when this movie is created. So it's like she can't be intimate even so much as kissing a guy or else she's going to, she's fears she will turn into this monster, this cat and kill him, this panther and kill him. So Yet the guy still married her, even though yeah, I, I mean, think about that every time I watch this, where I'm like, that guy is crazy. Like, I mean, she was gorgeous, and she had the accent. Like, I'm sure he was just, you know, like. But they never it. even kissed. Can you imagine? But I mean, this is also back in the day when people didn't sleep in the same bed, and like, yeah, you know, and, I guess, and leave it to Beaver and stuff. I mean, this is even before that, but. It's still like, I'm just like, what are you trying to say? Like, is it something about women's sexuality and that if you unleash it, like, watch out, they're going to get you. <laughs> like, I just, I was confused slash I also like that I, I have those questions in my head. I enjoy a movie that makes me think, not a movie that makes me scratch my head and utter like, what the fuck them? But I like a movie that makes me wonder what its themes are yeah and don't worry uh i'm on the same train with this where this movie seems to be saying something about women's sexuality but i'm also like i don't know what it's trying to say uh maybe this is also just two men struggling (laughs) well i came into this thinking you're the expert you're the one who recommended this so i was like sure you'd have all the answers oh no no i uh I, i i also uh well, this is a this is a movie that you pull it up online, and there's so many essays and things that have been written about this that it's kind of hard to get through the weeds. I think 
So, you know, if anybody listening has any insight, because uh, we're too lazy to read that much, uh, go ahead and send us some, uh, some info on that. Uh, if there's any critical studies on uh, sexuality as represented by the original cat people, uh, I would love to read it. And it, it starts off the bat when he meets her at the zoo. She's like trying to make a basket and she can't make it. She can't make the basket. He has to do it for her. And it's like, oh, I'm oh, a stupid yeah. woman. I can't make a basket. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so there, like, okay, the 40s. Yep, there's a lot of that casual sexism <laughs> where you're yeah. like, here we go. But it was an utterly beautiful movie, like so well shot. I love the lighting in these older movies, like when she's... Um, um, under hypnosis and just like the way the lighting is on her face like I love that old timey lighting in, in older films I think it's so cool especially in black and white films um, and I also really love movies where women stalk other women or when there's like a woman after another woman like single white female fatal attraction I love these kinds of films and so I like, like the original it, yeah, this is like it. I love that the two scenes where Alice is being stalked are my two favorite scenes, of course, in the movie. Um, and you see so little in them, but there's just that awesome tension. They're beautifully shot, and and yeah, I just I love that so much. I'm a big old fan of I don't know what you call that femme, femme versus femme, <laughs> femme on femme horror. That's right. I love it. And in a way, it's sort of like telling the werewolf story through a woman lens. Like, they're like, we can't tell about a female werewolf, so we're going to do it as a, a female who ha can turn into a cat. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, th there's a... It, it's funny you say that, too, because um, uh, in the making of this, uh, the RKO Pictures did this movie allegedly as a response to the wolfman which came out the oh. year before by universal so they wanted to do something similar because the wolfman was very successful so that's allegedly where this idea came from for this movie well i didn't want to come into this having done a lot of research because i definitely want it to be sort of my thoughts and to hear your takes as someone who's experience has experience with this already mm -hmm. but i did read that like rko was like okay universal's doing these monster movies let's dip our toe into this creepy lake as well and so they just came up with these titles for these movies and um val luton is that right that's val right val luton producer. the producer they're like here's a movie we want to make it's called make it cat people now figure out what it's about and here's like hundred fifty thousand dollars to go make it yep that's, <laughs> and then they that's... were like pissed off when it came back and there were no monsters in it really <laughs> yeah that's that's kind of the the famous story uh, Val Luton is, uh, he was a producer. He's kind of interesting in that he's a producer auteur, which is usually, you know, a phrase you hear for directors, not right. a producer. Uh, but he, uh, yeah, he started up for RKO. I mean, he produced a ton of things, but for RKO specifically, he did work on uh, their horror movie, their B-horror movie unit. Uh, but I guess he fancied himself an artist or was just more creative. And he decided he wasn't going to be limited by producing stories that were just monster schlock and actually wanted to put some 
real creativity behind them. Uh, and hence you get cat people where he decided, you know what, I don't want to have monsters running around. We're going to really make this psychological for the most part. Um, and this movie, the history lesson here is this movie, uh, I mean, I guess it's debated when I went online and looked this up, but they say this is the first jump scare ever in a movie. With the bus? With the bus, which at the time they would call it a Luton bus. That, uh, <laughs> that gimmick. But yeah, that's the jump scare. That's the first uh, major jump scare. It uh, is a great scene. In cinema, yeah. Yeah, the, the great fake out where you think the panther is coming and then it's a bus just screeching to a halt in front of her. I did love how so little is shown, which is, I'm a big fan of that in horror because too much being shown is, you know, it's like if Cloverfield, if they would have shown... 25% less of the monster, it would have been such a better movie. I, you know, I agree with you. I think Cloverfield is a cooler movie when you see less of what's actually going on. But it's I know scar- people, it is scarier. It is it's scarier. If you just see little bits, if you see a foot come down, or like in that first trailer that came out when the Statue of Liberty's head gets tossed down the street, like that is amazing. <laughs> like mm-hmm. you're just like, what the fuck? You're like, this is going to be know. cool. But once they start to show so much, and I understand that people want to see stuff, but at the same time, some of the more longer lasting legacies in horror are when you don't see things like the Blair Witch Project. You like, mm-hmm. never see the witch. Like, is the witch real? Did Josh, like, did the boys do it to Heather? Like, are they just fucking with her? Like, do they love, go crazy? Yeah. Do they all just go crazy? Like, I love that. Yeah. And this movie has that in spades. Like, I, I do wonder too uh, if this is a movie. Uh, if this is one of the first movies to do that for a horror movie, I'm actually not sure uh, if, if it's the first like psychological thriller in that regard, where you don't know if she actually is a cat person. She might just be insane for most of the movie. Uh, and there's just a lot of tension and mood. Um, and I wonder that, but I mean, once you get to the scene where um, Alice goes swimming, like she's definitely- Pretty clearly a panther. <laughs> because of like the- the shadows and such like yeah it's pretty obvious that she's a panther i and wish that, that you didn't have that quite for, to, yeah for sure to even question more but i mean i do like that a lot of the movie are like wait is she gonna be a cat or is she not this movie too uh before i forget was directed by jacques tourneur i'm terrible with french names um but he was a big time film noir director. So I think that's where you, you're getting your lighting that you really loved in this. Cause this movie has oh. a very film noir feel. Totes noir lighting. And uh, Mr. Jacques also did a few other pictures with Val Luton um, that are pretty similar. One of them is the leopard man, which okay. uh, uh, deals with possibly a leopard man, maybe <laughs> not. Uh, and I walked with a zombie which is a very early zombie I've movie. heard of that one. Uh, it's definitely slow. Uh, you know, it's the idea of the zombie. They're going back to the Haitian, like, voodoo ritual idea. So it, it's more of a mystery than, like, a horror movie. Are you a fan of voodoo? Like, have you seen The Serpent and the Rainbow? I'm sure you've seen that. Oh, fantastic. I don't fantastic. think I've ever seen it all the way through. It, it's trippy. It. Trippy as hell. Uh, yeah. the, the book that it's based on, which is allegedly a true story, uh, is pretty freaky shit when you read that. Some anthropologist 
uh, wrote the book, The Serpent and the Rainbow. And of course, the movie really dramatizes his journey uh, into Voodoo-un? Voodoo-un? I'm sorry, anybody out there, if I'm butchering what the religion that we say voodoo, but that's not really what it's called. But uh, he studied the the native practices in the Caribbean and uh, tried to find real zombies out there. But yeah, that's a... People read that book. It's freaky. I'm definitely very intrigued to see the 80s version of Cat People. I'm very interested to see where it goes, what updates they give to it. Because I'm sure it's not a matter of like, oh, I can't kiss anybody. Like maybe she won't have sex or something yeah. like that. Like, I, I I have seen it. I have not seen that movie either. So maybe that would be a, a dual viewing of ours the yeah. 80s cat people uh but i do know everyone refers to it as an erotic thriller so i'm sure the <laughs> sex is pretty amped up in that one yeah she looks i mean she looks hot af when you see mm-hmm. like the picture she's gorgeous whoever that woman is that was uh i want to say uh it was natasha kinsky i think that sounds right she looks I... like a natasha kinsky oh <laughs> <laughs> uh-huh. uh-huh. Uh, but yeah, you know, this is, uh, uh, this is a pretty, uh, important movie. I think legacy wise, the, this, uh, in the annals of horror. Really. And I've heard that a lot. So if that, if what you're saying about that jump scare, that it's one of the first ones like that is huge because the jump scare today is, it's know. the biggest thing like period. Yeah. Everyone, everyone moans about them or loves them or whatever. Everyone's got an opinion. They're so common now. Yeah. Yeah, and, and when you look it up on like Wikipedia, the article goes from they did it in the '40s in this movie and maybe a couple other movies, and then they just didn't do it for like decades. Like it wasn't a tactic that didn't become common again until the '80s, really. So it's it's uh, kind of interesting that it they moved away from that and then they brought it back. When do you recall the first time you saw this movie? I um. I'm not sure. I want to say I knew of it uh, in my younger days, getting into like the universal horror movies and, you know, like the original King Kong and some of these older RKO movies. I feel like it must have been on Turner Classic Movies and I was aware of its existence, but I really remember becoming familiar with it in college, being, you know, majoring in film and then all the little film nerds like trying to outdo each other with like have you seen this movie have you seen this movie and then cat people was something that started popping up a lot and uh because of course first thing i want to do is like let's read all the cool stuff about horror movies in any textbook or anything i get and cat people comes up a lot in critical film studies so i think i want to say in college is where i really became familiar with it and then sought it out and of course, the first time I saw this, I was kind of underwhelmed. I was just like, you know, because pacing and um, you, you just, I don't think I was ready for it. I wasn't uh, critically mature enough uh, to sit down and watch it. But over time, this has become a favorite of mine. It's been really interesting in the last like seven months since I've been getting, experiencing more of these movies, these like golden golden age horror? yeah golden golden age like the from the f- the 30s the 40s the 50s um lots of these black and white films that i've 
been like, okay, it's been long enough that I haven't watched these. Like I need to watch them. And rarely have I watched one and just been like, oh my God, I love it. And that way that I love like more contemporary horror movies, they never scare me because everything is Mm -hmm. just stolen from it over the years. Like it's not fresh feeling Mm -hmm. watching it after you've seen everything that's copied it for decades and decades. Yeah, and decades and forever uh, in perpetuity. Totally. The kind of movies I can watch in the daylight because I'm not going to be scared by them, but they are more fun in the dark just because of the black and white nature. It's moody. It's but almost about mood. all of them are like an hour and 10 minutes. So yeah, no matter, I'm like, I get to hop into this. Like it's going to take like a little over an hour to watch them. <laughs> it is amazing though, because they generally feel longer. And I think it is just that pacing because yeah. in this contemporary age, things are so fast cuts and the editing is so quick, quick, quick. And these take their time and dialogue and setting up a scene and all of that story and just throwing a lot of exposition at you. And uh, yeah, it it is, uh, it is crazy to look at these runtimes be like 72 minutes. This is really (laughs) doable. Like I'm going to fly through this. So, I mean, right before we started recording, I just, watched Frankenstein meets the Wolfman. And that's that's another one that's like, it's 70 minutes long. So I just cranked that out really quick. Yeah, that's amazing. I really appreciated also Alice and Oliver's relationship. I loved it. I like, I have no idea what they did. They worked together and there were like numbers involved. Um, but I, I liked that they were like good friends. And I also liked that she's like, I'm in love with you. Like she just she just tells him and it's not like, I don't know what to do. Like, she's not all like this tragic. She's just, she just kind of lays it out there. Mm-hmm. And, and I appreciate that. Like they didn't grant it's the forties, like, but they don't have this, like, they don't have an affair. They don't cheat. Like he doesn't cheat on his wife with her. She's just open about her feelings, but she's still okay being his friend. And she's there for him. Like while he's going through this hard time. Your wife might be crazy and a killer panther, and we have to yeah. figure this out. I, probably in the eighties, and I don't know this for sure, but like, of course he's going to have an affair with this woman. Like, they're oh, yeah. going to like that's my estimation of what will happen. They will have sex, or they will kiss, or something. Um, I she may even die. I don't know, yeah. but I'm very intrigued to find out. I know the eighties version has like gore, a plenty in it, so it, you know that's another. Uh key difference there is uh uh really uh dialing into the you know the tastes of that decade the 80s <laughs> and i do love when she goes into the pet shop and all the animals go wild like i just that seems like an, another thing that is used often like in the omen when they go to like the zoo and there's just this or werewolf the, movies in general totally. use that trope where the the cursed one is near animals and they freak out but yeah i i really liked it and i I liked sort of digging through my mind, even though I haven't come to concrete decisions on what it means, but that it's something to do with women, like wondering about, you know, their self-fulfilling prophecy of what their sexuality will bring out in them or something. I think that's pretty good. I think it's, I found it interesting. So how many, uh, how many Serbian cat women out of five would you give this? I think I'd give it three and a half, but it's possible over time I might give it more. That's just my initial take mm-hmm. on it. Like I do find it beautiful and all of that. And I probably 
over time would give it four, but just my initial gut instinct is three and a half. I, I feel like this is a movie that, uh, like, like any, I'm going to get all pretentious here. Like any good piece of art, uh, it rewards uh, re-engaging with it and reviewing it. So I, 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 I think over, if you watch it a couple of times, uh, you get more and more out of it because it's just a well-made movie uh, regard any from any time period. Uh, but yeah, I, I give it, I give it a four. Uh, okay. it's, a, it's a solid four in my book. Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing that with me. I did. It's about time that I watch it. And it, you know, I got plenty more old ones I can throw <laughs> at you too. Don't worry. And some of them are a lot more boring. I think. So. <laughs> oh, good. Now you've got me. <laughs> All right. Well, let's jump ahead a couple decades to 1976. Mm-hmm. To Alice, sweet Alice, aka communion, aka holy terror. AKA the mask murders. (laughs) It's like one of the movies with the most amount of titles ever. So they just were like, we don't know how to market this. Let's keep retitling it. (laughs) Yep. Pretty much. So give me your initial thoughts. Alice, sweet Alice, which I think I would retitle Alice, you little bitch is what I would call this movie. Um, This was, uh, this was fun. I mean, I liked it watching this. Uh, I will preface everything I'm about to say with the fact I watched this on, it's on Amazon Prime video, you know, included with Prime for free. So that's where I caught it. However, the print they have on there is terrible. It's all washed out. And and I do know for a fact, somewhere out there, I think Arrow Video or one of these uh, labels out there that, you know, specializes in doing uh restoring horror movies i believe they did a much Mm -hmm. nicer blu-ray restoration of this um so i i I feel like some of my enjoyment was hampered by the terrible audio and uh just gross looking film stock or whatever print they had of this just didn't look yeah i started watching it there and i thought the same thing so i went on my little my secret site that I watch things and it was gorgeous. It was definitely from like the Blu-ray because yeah. everything was sharp and like much crisper because yeah, on I Amazon mean, Prime, it looked pretty shoddy. Yeah, this that's got to be like DVD release from 20 years ago of yeah. it or something like that. But uh, anyway, that aside, I just wanted to be a little nerd there and <laughs> talk about the, my viewing experience. Um, no, I, I, I enjoyed this. Uh, so this is an American movie, right? Yeah. Okay, because it feels so European. Uh, I was it immediate. Does. I was immediately like, "This is a." Uh, it, it owes more to a uh, giallo, the Italian giallo uh, genre, than it does to the American. I can see where slasher movies would be inspired by something like this for sure. In the pre-Halloween, you know. Uh, and this movie carries a lot of that pre-Halloween um, vibe to like Killer on the Loose movies where, uh, I mean, you had other slashers that existed before Halloween, but Halloween really set up this idea that like, we can make a movie with a mass killer who has no motivation. He just kills people and people will pay <laughs> to see that. Whereas in something like Alice, Sweet Alice, you know, part of it is 
oh, there's motivation, but we're going to peel that back slowly. There's a mystery going on here on top of the murders. So th- there's that, uh, that idea. They're trying to make a plot and tell you a story as opposed to just uh, mindless killing uh, like later 80s slasher movies would do. But uh, the killer is so cool. The design, the raincoat with the plastic mask, um, another possible future Halloween costume I think I would love to do. Oh my God, yes. Uh, it's so good. In fact, I'm gonna, I wanna say this and commit it to recording. Uh, you guys will probably be listening to this on Halloween weekend. So uh, if you dress up as anything cool, you know, Instagram us, tag us. If you're listening, send us something, especially if you dress up from like something from a movie we watch for some reason. Heck that would yeah. be that would be extra cool. If you're Eugene from Housebound. Uh, yeah, it would be fantastic. <laughs> or a giant uh, blob sperm from beyond. Uh, th- or trash from Return of the Dead, Living yeah. Dead. Send us a picture. We want to see it. And you know what? Maybe hopefully we'll be around next Halloween doing this. That's right. And, and we can plan better for a uh, uh, bonanza of dressing up as movie characters. Uh, but I digress. Cool killer design. I did read that this movie was inspired by Don't Look Now. I was just going to say, yeah. Which is very obvious with the raincoat killer thing. Yeah. Um, of course, there's... This is another movie where I'm sitting here like, what is this trying to say? Like, clearly they're ramming Catholic imagery down our throats uh, in this movie, but I'm not exactly sure what it wants to say about that other than uh, sins of the father, you know, stuff at the end there, sins of the mother even. Uh, In the acting, man. Whew, some soap opera acting in here. <laughs> it is over the top. It's so over the top. When, <laughs> when the dad gets killed uh, and pushed out of the building, like when he starts screaming, that actor is just going for it when he is all tied up and freaking out. And I loved it. Oh, I think that the highest award to overacting comes from when the aunt is stabbed and she crawls out into the street. Not that oh I my. wouldn't be screaming as well, but then the mom oh comes my out and is like, for God's sake, help us. <laughs> yeah, I love the part where the aunt is in the hospital. Oh my God, her lips are all white. When she goes hysterical, she's like, Alex did it! And starts screaming. It's oh my God. so over the top. And then the mom is screaming. And then the doctor is just like deadpan through that whole thing. <laughs> <while they're> just... <laughs> she's like, I actually went to acting school and you guys are overdoing it. <laughs> yeah, and they're just livid. Uh, and I feel like this movie too might be saying something about women's sexuality in a much more creepy and uncomfortable way because it's like a 12-year-old girl (laughs) It's the folk, Alice. But, you know, she gets her period and that's like a plot point that they like mention and that it doesn't really add up to anything Um, other than like, your daughter doesn't trust you so she didn't tell you about this. But we know (laughs) because we're the creepy doctors at the hospital. Um, And and of course, the landlord, Alfonso, which 
Let me just say, this is one of the grossest characters I think I've seen in a long time. Uh, I did feel kind of bad because it's a little bit like fat shaming where it's like, let's just get this big fat guy and make him disgusting. <laughs> and like, he's automatically going to read as the ba- as a bad guy. And I read somewhere that I think in the UK, they cut the scene of her grabbing the cat because they have really strict laws against like animal cruelty. So Oh, like, I didn't like that. that. I was like, no. Alice, Alice, you could tell you it was bitch. real. Yeah terrible alice you bitch but yeah alfonso and his you know he molests her in that scene and it's like this is immensely uncomfortable but (laughs) this movie went some weird places it really Um, did it really did but uh uh, this is a movie i really you know my amazon prime my crappy amazon prime viewing experience aside i feel like this is a movie i would have loved to have seen in the theater, you know, in like a, uh, like the main art theater or whatever in Royal Oak, you know, like a little uh, uh, art theater like that to see like a midnight screening of this uh, on a nice print. That would have been like a real experience, I think. Um, this, This is the kind of movie watching it where I'm like, you know, this is something I bet I didn't double check online. I probably could have Googled this, but I'm like, this is a movie like Quentin Tarantino or Edgar Wright or one of those real film nerd directors. I bet they've talked about this. And then like, have you ever heard of Alice, Sweet Alice? Well, let me <laughs> tell you about it. Like, I know this has got to be one of those movies. So some of what you talked about is very interesting because as we've kind of done every week, like I've tried to find some correlations between the two. And there definitely is something like in both movies, the female possible killer mm-hmm. is, you know, goes under some severe counseling and- Oh, I didn't even think about that. Yeah, there's psychiatrists in both Psychiatrists that... and both trying to like uncover what is wrong with this female, like what's going on with them. Yeah. So I think that's sort of the correlation between the two that's interesting. Um, when the director he directed some like softcore porn and <laughs> in 1972 he had done this movie called um deep sleep and he was excommunicated from the catholic church okay so i think that sort of inspired his depiction of roman catholicism in this film okay his sort of issues with it and it also really touches on like child emotional neglect and the disintegration of the American nuclear family are sort Mm. of some of its themes. Some highfalutin stuff. (laughs) Indeed. And also along with like whatever happened to baby Jane, like in that same vein, there's this theme of like sibling rivalry and sort of a horror element between like her and her little sister. Um, so it's all very. She's so mean to her sister in the beginning. I didn't like that at all. And did you see how old Paula Shepard, who plays Alice, actually was when they filmed this? No. 19. What? 19 playing a 12 year old. Wow. <laughs> so crazy. <laughs> that just blew my mind because I thought she was actually like 13. Oh, see, and I've always thought she looked so old. Okay. Maybe it was just the version I was watching. I can't really <laughs> see their true. faces that well, but. This movie reminds me of being a kid because I bought it from Kmart. It was like one of their, those like bargain VHS tapes they had that you could get for like $4. And I remember just that, that cover art with the bag, with the mask and the doll, with the two faces, with the knife through it. 
And it was just so creepy because the quality of it was so bad, like just that old VHS bargain bin movie. And I loved, I watched it so much, but it creeped me out. Like going downstairs scared me because I thought someone was going to stab me in the foot. Oh, I can see that. (laughs) Oh, I can see that. You know, this movie though is a little less scary when it's just the old lady housekeeper. (laughs) So like killing everybody. I was like, oh, like I was expecting some more, like there's going to be a big conspiracy or something. And I was like, oh, it's just her. Well, and as I was watching it this time, well, first Joe wanted to watch it. I said, do you want to watch Alice Sweet Alice? Do you have any interest? And he said, yeah. So we started watching it. At first we were laughing at the the over-the-top acting because it is just so bad. And then we just reached a certain point and I just was like, are you over this? And he's like, yeah, you can finish it without me. (laughs) So then Mm -hmm. later that night I finished it myself and I found the second half much better than the first half. Like once you kind of figure out who the killer is, it's Mrs... Um, Tradoni and I find I literally jumped even though I've seen this before when the dad's walking up the stairs in that abandoned like warehouse and she jumps from around the corner and stabs him in the shoulder like I legit jumped and I mean I was like whoa how did I like I've seen this before you know it's coming but it just (laughs) freaked me out that that whole sequence in the warehouse too I think that was my favorite part in this movie like that's just well put together when he gets jumped and tied up and then get, it, it, it's very uh, just classic horror villain, you know, it's like Jigsaw before Jigsaw. Just. <laughs> and I read some article where he had some quotes in it, the director, Alfred Soule, about how he wanted to play on the senses that would really get under an audience's skin, which is why she he has her bash him in the mouth with a shoe oh yeah and while why someone gets like stabbed in like the leg and the foot because those qualities of um of harm really connect with an audience and make you squirm oh the scene when she stabs alfonso in the stairway oh yeah just the way they did that like those stab wounds i really felt those in his torso like the For way sure. they, the way they staged it i was like that looks so painful like i know it's fake but it looks he, so painful he was just like he wasn't an actor he just he was like a bouncer at some gay club that the oh, director okay. somehow knew uh-huh. and he made two more movies and then he died in 1978 so he died just a couple years after this and this was um, his big break <laughs> this was his big break Um, There also was, the director had no casting agent, so he relied a lot on going to see plays and casting Mm. people from that. Like he saw Paula Shepard, who played Alice, in a chorus of some musical and asked her to audition. Brooke Shields, he'd seen in an ad in Vogue and like hit up her mom and was like, um, you know, I'd like her to audition for this movie. And the mom was super supportive. And in her audition, he asked Brooke Shields to act like she was getting strangled. Just <laughs> 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 such a crazy thing. I mean, she was very young. Yeah, she was uh, 10 she years was old. Like 10. Yeah. So it's just like so crazy. And, and they're just so interesting because they didn't bring them, they re-released it in 1981. And it was made in 1976. So after Brooke Shields became famous for Pretty Baby, in 1978 like they still waited like years after that to re-release this as holy terror weird so weird yeah but they were just trying to make some money off of it (laughs) yeah yeah 
and also he said that the the woman who played the mom um her name is linda miller he said she was a nightmare to work with but he said paula shepherd and brooke shields were like amazing and one interesting thing they kept having to have like breaks in the production to get things figured out and before they filmed the last scene linda miller attempted suicide hmm. Like, I don't think related to the film. It was just her own personal Oh, okay. The film was issues. so terrible. She tried <laughs> The film was so bad. But it, I guess there's some scenes in that last church sequence where you can see the bandages on her wrists. Whoa. I know. I read this after the fact, so I didn't look while I was watching it. But I'm I not... thought that was a very interesting little tidbit. And um, Alfred Soule's neighbor was an engineer and he, they asked him to make, or he asked him to make a knife that was retractable. So they just had one uh-huh. main knife that was used for all the stabbing stuff and it had a retractable blade. Better... It looked great though. A retractable blade's hard to do. Yeah, and when you only have one, you gotta make sure you don't break that thing. That's right. Because <laughs> then you guys are fucked. And the scene when the knife falls down in the staircase and the scene with the dad in the warehouse and it like hits the stairs and lands in there. It took them like 20 takes to get it right. And a person had to keep running down, grab it, bring it back up to the person and drop again. <laughs> oh my God. What a nightmare. Indeed. What a nightmare. But I think the music in particular is so good and creepy. Like I love the, the music. The opening sequence. Yeah. I felt like the like music the really. Like the and stuff. Yeah. really set the mood. And I was like, okay, okay. I can get behind this. I think I like where this, where this movie's going. And I love a good old uh, masked killer. Just simple. Me too. Just murdering something simple. Like this is why these Jalo movies, uh, there's some good ones out there. Don't Look this, Now, that's a great movie. It is a great one. And this one's, and I wish I would have written it down. There was a quote about this being called like an American giallo. Mm. Like, so there definitely, when you mention that, there are certain references to this, like mimicking that or being in a very similar vein. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, so once you found out that Mrs. Tredani is like the killer, but did you think maybe Alice still did actually kill her sister? Oh, I absolutely actually- thought it was going to be Alice and she was going to turn out to be crazy or like a split personality or something. And then as Mrs. Tredani, I'm like, what? When that happened. But I, it, I will say though, I, I, this is a movie where like that reveal happened. And I'm like, there's still like 20 minutes of movie when I checked the time, like, oh, where is this going to go next? But I do like uh, how they wrapped it up where she goes to the church. She stabs the priest during mass. like, And it's his was, fault. I mean, they wanted to arrest her earlier. He should have just let them. Yeah, that was a great I'm not sequence. victim shaming. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Father Tom. Uh, <laughs> but that was a great sequence. Just like I thought that was wonderfully staged. And just um, that ending with her walking away and she has the knife and then she just puts it back in the bag and she has that look in her eye and you're like, and you're oh, like shit. Here's the sequel. Alice is the killer. But even this time as I was watching it, I'm like writing down, I'm like, maybe Alice did kill her sister. Maybe she did stab her aunt. But when she's found after the stabbing of her aunt and she's like, it was Karen. Karen was here. And I'm like, okay, well then definitely she saw Mrs. Shadani. And because mm-hmm. of her her playing the joke on her sister with the mask and wearing the raincoat that she thought it was the ghost of her sister. Yeah, she's back from the grave. Yeah, so I totally am like, okay, she didn't do any of these killings. It was all Mrs. Tredani being like, the sins of the parents and 
you and your husband got a divorce and maybe you're lusting after the priest or you're too close to him and he's mine. Mm-hmm. And so I'm like you, you and your family have to pay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. She was a real trip. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, there definitely is some cool aspects to it and it has gained ground over the years as sort of being not a full on horror classic, but maybe a cult classic. Yeah, this is this is another movie too where like much like Cat People, when I pulled up Alice Sweet Alice online, I was like, wow, there is a lot of critical analysis written of this movie. For uh, sure. By like, you know, some serious film like scholar uh entities out there. So okay, good on you, Alice Sweet Alice, for <laughs> giving people something to think about. Good on you, Alice Sweet Alice, slash holy terror, slash communion, slash mass murders. <laughs> slash uh, who knows what else so how many retractable knife knives do you give this out of five uh i feel like i would have given this a four but uh i i, I want to say three and a half i'm gonna go three and a half i say i i may have given it a half more if it the viewing quality wasn't so crappy of the version i saw so uh and i may i feel like this is another flick that would reward uh multiple viewings uh notice you know exactly what we were talking about uh some more stuff that i missed so three and a half i also give it three and a half and i have some history with it but it'd been a while since i'd seen it and i still thought it was good i I really do like it but there's just some issues with it and it just you know it's not the greatest of all movies but there's some creepiness to it and it holds a special spot in my heart as like being one of the you know early horror movies that i owned and watched and creeped me out because of its weirdness because it definitely is weird it's It's a weird movie it's not a commercial no sort of flick so to watch it as a little kid it definitely ingrained itself in my brain Mm, i believe it but yeah, I go three and a half. So today, both of my both of the films, I gave a solid three and a half stars. And that's not above half, average. That's not half bad. <laughs> that's right. So, well, that's awesome, and I'm glad we found some correlations between the two. I, mm-hmm. I just want to make that happen every time, just uh, with us blindly picking these for the other person, not knowing what the other one's going to pick, and that there's some sort of connection between them. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. I love this ongoing conversation we're having about (laughs) horror movies. It's just, it's so much fun. It sure is. And please join the conversation. What do you think of Alice Sweet Alice? What do you think of Cat People? Do you hate what we thought of it? Do you think we're just idiots? Tell us, please. I mean, yeah, it's possible. Maybe we're the coolest, cutest guys you know. Oh my God, that is 100% sure, for sure. (laughs) So scaring is sharing on Instagram or scaringissharing at gmail.com. Write us. And also, um, if you, when you listen to us, if you have the chance to rate us, review us, subscribe to us, we love your love. So please give it to us. Let us know. Let us know. And hopefully you've enjoyed the Halloween season weekend since this will be coming out at the end of it. Um, if you've still got time to throw in some movies, watch these. Cat People, Alice Sweet Alice. That's right. Um, I actually did my viewing of Cat People. I watched it back to back with the original Wolfman. 
because mm. um, I was like, why not? Let's just put them together. The two movies, uh, very different takes on similar subject matter. So there's an idea. Wolfman, cat people, watch and some I, of the Halloweens. And also with cat people and Alice Sweet Alice, you get a black cat and some creepy Halloween masks. Like you get some of the Halloween traditions. The traditions right there. Uh, Even though neither one are based in a Halloween world. That's true. But uh, elements. Happy Halloween, everybody. Yes, happy Halloween. Let us know what you watched throughout the month. If you want to give us a full-on list. I know lots of people are doing 31 days of horror. Let us know what you're watching, what the best, what the worst. Mm -hmm. Tag us. Tell us. What do you want us to talk about? That's right. Tag them and bag them. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. When I first heard that, I didn't know if that meant like a body bag. <laughs> I was very confused. I, I like to think it does in, you know, in my mind, toe tagged, and, <laughs> toe tagged and bagged. But thank you for listening. We're having fun doing this and hopefully you're enjoying listening. I, I hope you guys love it. Uh, and again, uh, enjoy the Halloween season, but we all know every day is Halloween for horror freaks like us. So that's uh, right. You know, keep keep the dream alive and uh, hail Paymon. <laughs> That's right. Hail Paymon. <laughs> All right. We'll see you next week. Bye. Bye. Scaring is sharing. Scaring is sharing.